Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss all things Amazon private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AM, PM podcast. As a matter of fact, I was watching an air show and while I was in awe of all these near crashes, the pilots were just zipping by each other. While I was watching these pilots do these incredible feats, I was making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hey guys, I am here with John Haddon. He's a 27-year-old, originally from Oregon, but now lives in Puerto Rico, and that's important, and you guys are gonna find out why in just a few minutes. But he's been selling on Amazon since 2014, currently a seven-figure seller, and he's gonna be on the show today to talk about how he only pays 4% income tax for his business and 0% income tax for his financial investments. That's got me super curious. John, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Manny. <laughs> how about you? I could be doing better if I'm only paying 4% income tax. It's, uh, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Uh, <laughs> so, so let's talk about that. Well, actually, so you're doing seven figures right now. Is that on Amazon or is that just general e-commerce? Uh, that's pretty much all Amazon. Uh, I have my own website and we sell internationally to Europe mostly and the U.S., but uh, I've yet to kill it quite the way I want to on Facebook and with Google Ads. So that's a big pain point that we're currently working on. Uh, but Amazon's my bread and butter for sure. Awesome. Is that private label? Is that what you guys do? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. How many, how many SKUs would you say you have? Uh, only 14 and, 14. uh, the majority of our revenue comes from about five. Okay, uh, cool. But yeah, what the, before we get into some tax stuff and I know guys, typically, uh, when we talk about tax stuff, it bores people, but this is super cool because if you're doing any kind of volume, you know, and you're paying like, you know, if the government is taking half of your revenue, this is uh, something that you're going to be super interested in. And I found out about this at a conference that we were at and just bumped into some people and they started mentioning this thing about Puerto Rico. I'm like, what? Is that even a real thing? You know, and so John's going to talk to us about this. But what, do you have any kind of advice or hacks or anything that helps you when you launch something just to, something maybe you haven't talked about before that it's kind of pretty cool for getting you ahead of everybody else? Um, yeah, actually, uh, my employee, uh, Clay, has been doing a great job finding unicorns. And um, essentially, we're pulling a lot of data from Unicorn Smasher, uh, you know, a, a lot of different sources. And we're uploading them into uh, this visualization software called uh, Klavau or Klaviau. Not quite sure mm -hmm. how it's pronounced or spelled. He's doing most of the work. I, I, we can probably upload a link after this uh, but it's really cool. You can set exactly which data points you want to see, like maybe the growth of the market or uh, the revenue or the margins. Uh, and you can lay it all out visually and you can see, you know, maybe there's five or 10 unicorns in one little thing. And then one way up in the far top right or top left corner that shows that it's a unicorn amongst unicorns. And that's where we focus. Uh, and it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, so I've been astounded by, by that software. Nice. Okay. I'm gonna have to check that out. I, I've heard of it. So 
Yeah. Well, cool. So you have multiple companies, right? You said, I'm looking at some, some details <laughs> on you and it says you've got a hoverboard company, a fidget spinner company, a skincare company, electronics company, data monetization company, and you do some charity work. What are, are all these things on Amazon? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, so I, I'm a very successful failed entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> my first two Amazon businesses uh, didn't make a profit and didn't uh, work out very well. And uh, then I started my current Amazon business, which is doing well. And when the hoverboard thing started uh, you know, I saw Justin Bieber on Vine back when Vine was cool, uh, writing a hoverboard and my, my soon to be business partner, but at that time friend said, Hey man, we should sell these. So I looked at it. We started sourcing them, selling them. It worked up. It, uh, it blew up in popularity and then they started blowing up uh, in real in, life. In real life. Uh, <laughs> luckily ours never did cause I know how to source properly from China. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of a, we blew up in popularity, blew up literally. And then the company kind of blew up because of chargebacks and people, even though the boards were performing as they should have been, people wanted refunds. So shut shop on that. The fidget spinner thing, kind of, kind of same thing, trying to catch the trends, you know, want to be a fidget spinner empire and, you know, trying to get ahead of everybody else. Uh, and you know, there's, there's no quick way to success. So yeah. all, of, all of those have kind of failed, but the data monetization company, uh, is going well, working on that now it's pre-revenue. Um, nice. Yeah, really. Amazon's my bread and butter, man. That's a, I'm a very successful failed entrepreneur. <laughs> I think anybody who's been super successful on Amazon has had those failures. I've talked about those, I think, on the very, very first podcast where, you know, my first product was a failure as well. You know, you just got to keep pushing through. Yeah. And it sounds like you've got some really cool stuff because well, let's, let's jump into this. You live in Puerto Rico right now. Where did you live before that? I moved around, I suppose, but Oregon before that most recently. Okay. Why'd you move to Puerto Rico? Well, after I graduated college from Oregon State, uh, my now ex-wife and I moved to China uh, for about two years. And that's where I started my own company and got into all this. Moved back to Oregon and uh, I was scaling rapidly and... Uh, you know, basically started my company with $200. I don't have a rich uncle. I just did it all on my own. Uh, and, you know, cash flow was king, as most everybody listening at this point would know. So, you know, I had 200 bucks, sold it, and then I had 400 bucks. So I bought 400 bucks worth of stuff, sold it. And, you know, before I knew it, I was, I was doing pretty well and had like, you know, $100,000 in inventory. And then tax season came around. And I had zero money in the bank. And Uncle Sam was like, you know, uh, your inventory on hand is considered profit, which I didn't know. Like most people that just get started in their own company, they have no idea what, what taxes even are. Um, and I was one of those uh, <laughs> uh, ignorant people. So uh, I basically owed Uncle Sam $40,000, had nothing in the bank, and was like, you know, do you accept payment in forms of hugs or base <laughs> products, which is what I sell in. And unfortunately they don't. So that was a pain point where at that point the world already seemed small, smaller to me. I'd traveled a lot, been to a lot of different places. And, uh, at that point I started kind of looking for, you know, one Oregon was cold and I w was not used to that after living in the tropics. And I, I knew I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in Oregon. Neither did my, my wife. So 
started just looking at places and we had a set of criteria and one of them was, you know, if it's tax friendly, kind of like, you know, Texas or Florida, that would be an added bonus. And then I stumbled across Puerto Rico, which is a tax haven. Uh, It's one of the only places in the world um, that an American citizen can go and not pay federal income tax. Uh, If you live in China, like I did, or Germany, like I did, uh, no matter how much money you make, uh, you know, if it's over X amount, I forget how much, but I think it's a hundred thousand. Um, if you make money overseas, you have to pay the IRS, which most people know. Uh, the only exception to that are U S territories because they are not foreign, but they're not domestic either. They're in this weird little bubble and they are allowed to have special tax incentives for U S citizens. So the U S Virgin islands and Puerto Rico are the only two places that I know of currently. And maybe the, Maybe the Cayman Islands. I don't know. But anyways, it, it's a pretty cool little little spot. Mm, okay. And so what kind of benefits do you get setting up in Puerto Rico? So there's, there's two laws that I take advantage of. Uh, one is if you're actively involved in something like your own company and you're working on it every day, you're building. Uh, and that uh, act, they're called, is Act 20 for an active investment. Um, so Act 20 has some stipulations, but essentially once you meet all of the requirements, which are becoming a bona fide Puerto Rican residence, which is as easy as moving to a different state, you keep your US passport, everything like that. You just go into the DMV, you get a Puerto Rican license, and then you have to be here 183 days a year, which for some people, if you have families or you're really stuck to where you come from, that's tough. But a lot of us digital nomads, that's not the biggest problem in the world because Puerto Rico's in the Caribbean and it's beautiful and the beach is a two minute walk from my house and it's 80 degrees year round. So for me, living here year round is is not a problem at all. Um, And that's pretty much it. And once you meet those requirements, you no longer pay any federal or state income tax, uh, corporate or personal. So uh, wait, I misspoke. I pay 4% corporate. so if my company makes, you know, $100,000 in profit, I pay four total. Uh, wow. Okay. So, so does the company have to be uh, incorporated anywhere specifically? Can it be anywhere in the U.S. as long as you're living there in Puerto Rico? So uh, there's a lot of different ways to structure it, and I'm not a lawyer. So anybody listening to this, I suggest that you talk to a lawyer. And I have some recommendations for who uh, on the island I would definitely recommend because there's great lawyers and there's terrible lawyers, as everybody knows. Um, but there's lots of ways to structure it. Uh, the, the thing that qualifies you is you have to be providing a service to outside of Puerto Rico. So that can be consulting. Uh, you could be a trade company. There's lots of different kind of buckets that that falls under. But the way I structured my company is I left my entity in the United States and then I consult for that entity here from my new Puerto Rican entity. So to answer your previous question, yes, you do need to create a Puerto Rican entity. That is what would qualify for Act 20. Um, But your Puerto Rican entity can consult for whatever other entities you have and, you know, since you're doing all of the work and all of the effort and all of the, um, you know, all of the work, really, you can move the majority of your profits uh, to this Puerto Rican entity uh, legally, uh, you know, and as long as you're not, you know, trying to cheat the system, 
it's great. And the added bonus is Puerto Rico's having a really hard time. So, you know, morally, um, I, I have no problem paying taxes. It's helping my company grow for sure, uh, expanding without cash flow issues. But um, morally, I, I really like living in Puerto Rico because their economy has taken a hard hit. And the worse it gets, the more young people, young inspiring entrepreneurs with a lot going for them, they simply move to the States. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's called a brain drain. And right now bringing jobs and bringing smart entrepreneurs and bringing money to the island is the point of these tax incentives. So by, you know, taking advantage of this tax, uh, you know, I, I basically help myself, but I also, one of the requirements is you hire, uh, uh, like two or three employees as well. Um, that used to be a requirement. I think they waived it this year. You'd have to, again, check. Uh, for me, I have to have two or three employees. And that's great, though, because I, I like it. I get to sit next to my, my guys. It's not outsourced, and I'm helping the Puerto Rican economy. So, Okay, nice. So you have to, I imagine you have to have an office there, or can you? are you doing this from your home with employees that can work from their homes, or how does that work? Uh you technically have to have an office, but it could be your home and okay. your employees can work from their homes. That's totally fine. So you need to designate something as your office, but I think it's the same anywhere else in the States. What kind of entity do you set up there in Puerto Rico? Does it, does it matter? Is it going to be an LLC or an S corp or? Um, I don't, I had an S corp back in the States, uh, because it, it was, you know, better tax wise, uh, here, I don't believe there's a differentiation between C corps and S corps. And I believe the benefit of having an S corp back in the States, uh, doesn't exist here. So I have a simple LLC and, uh, it's, it's perfect you, the way you structure it doesn't really matter so much. Okay. How long have you been living in Puerto Rico now? Um, about a year and a half. Okay, yeah. year and a half. How long, you, you said that you got to be there, was it what, 183 days? 181 days. No, what was it? 183 days, which is 183 the, days. bare minimum. That that means that you are, you know, essentially living in Puerto Rico more than you're living anywhere else. Uh, okay. So, and, yeah. So, so 183 days. So, at what point can somebody move there? Do you have to be there the full 183 days before you can get that tax benefit? Like, if I move there right now, you know, right before ta filing taxes, I wouldn't be able to do that until I've been there the full 183. Is that how it works? Um, <laughs> so that's a very specific question. So I moved, I'll just use myself as an example. I okay. moved in June of 2016. Uh, and I was able to spend 183 days of 2016 in Puerto Rico. I, I made the cutoff by like, I think a month. Um, and because I was there for the, the year of 2016 for more than 183 days, I met the qualification. So for that year, 2016, the first year I moved there, from the date that you first say that you're opening your business, uh, even if you don't have you know, this status or whatever, because it takes a while to go through the, the bureaucracy of getting your, your LLC assigned this Act 20 status, um, However, it's retroactive to the date that you first filed the application and the date that you first started working there. So pretty much from the date that I moved here uh, was when I first started saving on taxes. And um, you know, if I was to move there in November, however, uh, it wouldn't work because I wouldn't have met the 183 days for 2016. So I would have had to start 
you know, essentially making my savings January 1st. So the majority of people that are thinking about doing this, they move at the very beginning of a year. Um, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. And then, so you're there full time though. You don't jump back and forth between the U S and Puerto Rico. No, I, I really like it here. Um, and the, the other tax incentive, which I haven't spoke of yet, is Act 22, which is far simpler. Uh, essentially, if you're a bona fide Puerto Rican resident, which again is this 183 days, uh, you have 0% income tax on all passive investments. So these are not active investments, but things like capital gains and uh, any sort of passive income that you have. So hedge fund managers and people from Wall Street love coming down here for Act 22 and people that are in their retirement and, you know, just want to not pay taxes. They come down here and they, they live tax free. Uh, so it, one of the things I love most about Puerto Rico, besides the weather and, and the fun, the fun vibes the the culture here is really, really cool, uh, is you essentially have this, uh, this brain drain of the overall Puerto Rican economy, which is a travesty, but you also have this kind of new brain hub starting here of a whole lot of smart people, young entrepreneurs, uh, you know, like I said, hedge fund managers, people from Wall Street come in. We all hang out kind of in the same area of San Juan or, you know, a few other places around the island. And, uh, you know, a lot of great things are swapped back and forth. I, I imagine it's very similar to how Silicon Valley is or, um, you know, uh, other hot spots for technology because you just you meet some fascinating individuals that are into cryptocurrencies or, or whatever it may be. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, no, that's that's very cool. So, do you do you just have the one uh, company uh, set up there, or do you set up multiple? Because you mentioned you know you had all these different companies that you've set up. Do you just have the one entity, or do you have multiple entities there? Um, and, can, and can you have more than one entity uh, with this with this uh, act? What was yeah. it, Act Twenty? Yeah, absolutely. You can have more than one entity, and you can have uh, one entity that qualifies for multiple Act Twenty. Um, like I said, services. So, you know, your, let's say it's uh, Acme uh, entity LLC could be, uh, have a consulting Act 20 certificate and it could also have an Act 20 certification for um, providing goods and services or being a trade organization or something like that. So you can have all those things, but in order to make my life simple, I got mine for consulting. So uh, any sort of service that I do outside of Puerto Rico, for example, you know, recruiting for FEMA, which since Hurricane Maria has been uh, necessary. And so I'm essentially recruiting for FEMA, which is a, a non-Puerto Rican entity, and I'm providing them my services and I bill through my consulting company here. So I just have one entity, one Puerto Rican entity to make it simple. Okay. So, so with act 22, uh, and I don't know anything about this kind of thing, but if you were, you talked about cryptocurrency, you know, and cryptocurrency is going crazy right now. So if you invest in cryptocurrency in the U S and, and a, a year from now or two years from now, it's gone up, you know, 10 X, 20 X. It seems like it would be a good idea to move to Puerto Rico for at least six months before you decide you're ever going to want to sell that. Right. Because then the cap, the, you're saying there's, there's no capital gains on that. Yeah. So before this, uh, I, I figured you'd ask about that. So before <laughs> this, I looked it up. Um, so if you have unrealized gains, so let's say right now you're a hedge fund manager in San Francisco uh, for cryptocurrencies 
uh, which is exactly the situation a friend of mine is in. And he has a ton of unrealized gains. Uh, you know, he got into Ethereum when he was 13 and sold it like, you know, 380. Um, those unrealized gains that you made prior to moving to Puerto Rico will be taxed at a 5% capital gains tax. However, as soon as you move to Puerto Rico, any sort of capital gains that you make after that are zero percent. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So, what, how much can you realistically save yourself? Use yourself as an example now that you moved to Puerto Rico relative to if, had you stayed in in Oregon. Well, and to answer your previous question too, they're 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 constantly changing these Act Twenty Twenty Two requirements, and I believe you can't just move here for one year and then kind of leave. They want you to not just take advantage of this and, and they really want you to kind of fall in love with Puerto Rico and become, you know, maybe Puerto Rican or at least be here from what I heard or what I planned on when I first moved here was to be here for five years. Uh, and I don't require if that was, I don't remember if that was a requirement for act 20 or act 22, or if it's even still a requirement, definitely tax, talk to your tax person. But, uh, that was, that was a part of it. Um, but to answer your second question, uh, I was in Oregon between uh, self-employment tax, state tax, and federal income tax. Uh, essentially, even if I only made $1,000 in profit, I was getting taxed about 40%. I think it was 39 and change. So now that I've got a seven-figure business and I'm living in San Juan, uh, you know, just imagine 40% of seven figures is, is what I'm saving Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Now you mentioned San Juan. Is that where you would recommend people move you, uh, out of the other places in Puerto Rico? Um, I did a trip around the island when I first came and, and just kind of saw every little bit of it. If you like surfing, um, there's a little surf town that has a whole lot of kind of bums that go and, and stay for six months and they are, you know, they've got their waitressing job or whatever in New York city. And then they come and live in Rincon for six months. And that's got a cool little vibe, but it's very transient and it's a, it's a really small town, uh, but it's in the most beautiful part of the Island. And the surfing over there is awesome. Uh, San Juan is the biggest city and um, I love it because everybody pretty much speaks English. I speak Spanish. Spanish pretty well, but it's not, it's definitely not a requirement for anybody wondering that living in Puerto Rico and San Juan in the major metro area is especially great. Everybody's pretty educated. You know, again, these are all American citizens. Most of them have spent a great deal of their time or gone to college in the States or whatever. Uh, so I like San Juan because there's a large community here and there's a lot to do and a lot to see and a lot of good restaurants. Um, a lot of people that have families like Dorado, uh, Dorado's about 30 minutes outside of the city. And, you know, there's this Ritz Carlton of Dorado that this whole community has kind of popped up around and it's, it's very posh and, you know, you've got these huge houses and nice cars and for people that like that, uh, that's more of a residential suburb. Um, and where I first lived was Palmas del Mar, uh, which is the palms of the, of the sea. And, and that was, uh, about 45 minutes outside of the city, which is again, f the same feeling of Dorado kind of, um. And it's basically built around five golf courses and it's like a gated city, uh, essentially. And, you know, it, it's crazy. You go in and it's, it's like this wonderland where with yachts and with, you know, golf courses and an equestrian center. And <laughs> it's, it's nice. crazy that you can live your life like that. And, and not only that, but not pay taxes. Yeah, that's crazy. So what's the, yeah. what would be the, 
I mean, if you were to compare cost of living there to here in the States, I know in the States it varies depending on where you live, but in, on average, is it similar? Is it massively different? Uh, I would say it's extremely similar. Um, I can only compare it to basically Oregon, uh, which is not going to help a whole lot of people. Let, here, let me <laughs> phrase it a different way. It's much, much, much less expensive than New York City. Yeah. Uh, but I would say about average to, you know, when you get out into any rural or even even like class B or class C city, uh, kind of right. like Portland. Um, so like a two bedroom apartment, if you were to rent something out there, a, rough, yeah. a decent place, what would it cost? So a decent place, a block from the ocean. Um, mm-hmm. My buddy's got a nice, in a nice building with a security guard, he's paying 2,300 a month for a mm-hmm. nice two bedroom apartment in the best part of San Juan, a block away from the ocean. And wow. I live about a block away from him, uh, same distance from the ocean, but mine's a one bedroom and I'm paying mm-hmm. a thousand. Okay. And if you went out, you, you go out with uh, your significant other for dinner and you have a nice dinner with some, with a, a single drink, what does something like that run? Uh, you're probably paying, if you, if you want to go to a really nice place, you know, you're probably paying 20, $25 for an entree. Uh, and you know, a cocktail is going to be about 10. Okay. And, and that's a really nice place. That That's a nice yeah. place. I mean, yeah. you could probably, if you were to eat at the Ritz, you know, you could probably pay up to 40 or 50 bucks an entree, <laughs> right. but really, uh, prices. I mean, I just went to New York for a month and, and the prices there were like, wow. <laughs> wow. Astronom- yeah. Especially when you're used to. To, to Puerto Rico. Yeah. So I, it sounds really intriguing. And we've actually talked about this here. We're like, you know what? We've got to really start talking about some tax strategies. And I know somebody who's lived there, grew up there, loves it. And the more people I talk to, I'm hearing the same thing. You've been there now for a little bit. What would be some of the, and I'm asking a lot of questions for myself because I am seriously <laughs> considering this, yeah. but what would be some of the cultural differences that somebody should prepare for when they're coming from the States to there? Well, island time is definitely a thing, uh, whether it's Hawaii or Fiji or uh, Puerto Rico. Things typically happen a little bit slower on the islands. Um, so that's a thing. Um, it doesn't really bother me much. And as far as how bad island time can get, uh, Puerto Rico is not bad because most people have stuff to do and they're, you know, they're hopping around, you know, you don't find this super slow motion type lifestyle where everybody seems to be like that sloth from ice age. You know, it's, it's, it's not that, uh, the city itself is going through a hard time, uh, economically, uh, it's safe, uh, safer than most American s- cities. Well, maybe not safer, but as safe as most American major cities. Um, crime, I, you know, is not much of a problem unless you're doing uh, dumb stuff. Uh, but what I have to say I, I love most about Puerto Rico is uh, the mentality here. Uh, there's, you know, we just got hit with the, the, the worst hurricane that's ever hit the island. And, you know, most of the island is still without power. I was without power for basically two months. That's why I was kind of in, in New York. Um, and everybody has this, you know, it, they say, se levanta, which is like, we will rise. And there's this amazing community of Puerto Ricans that, uh, you know, I, I am very much, I like to think I'm a part of, uh, probably not. Um, but they're very welcoming people. They're very warm people. And they have this work hard, play hard attitude, which was very different from my experiences in China, which is a work hard, work hard attitude, uh, you know, 
in, in China, it's like, Hey man, you want to go play basketball? And it's like, no, I, I gotta, I gotta do other stuff. I gotta work. It's like, okay, here every weekend, people are going to the beach, hanging out, playing volleyball, drinking, uh, pretty much every Friday or Saturday night, you find people from, you know, 19 or 20, the drinking age is 18 here. Uh, you find people from 19 to 20 all the way up to, you know, 50 or 60 out till, you know, 10, 11, 12, one or two, um, all having a good time together. It's very much like a family feel and Puerto Ricans are very friendly towards other Puerto Ricans. It's, It's like a one giant, giant family. Um, I, I really, I really appreciate that aspect of it. Yeah, no, that sounds sounds really cool. What about the infrastructure there for a business, in terms of like having stable internet connections, high speed? I mean, everything that you would be accustomed to here, including transportation. Mm-hmm. Is that is that an issue out there at all? Uh, no, no, we got Uber here. Sorry, we have Uber here. Let me correct my grammar. Um, and it's super cheap. Uh, you know, to get across town, it's typically $6 or so. Uh, I have a car. The road systems here are great, although traffic and parking can be a pain. Uh, I almost prefer to Uber, uh, you know, when I'm going out for dinner and things like that. Um, there's not great public transit except for Uber. Um, and as far as internet and electricity and stuff goes, uh, you know, uh, unless we get hit with a hurricane, which hasn't happened since 1920. How, how was moving to Puerto Rico helped your business in other ways outside of Act 20 and 22? Uh, that's a great question. One of the things that I think I looked forward to most about moving to Puerto Rico was this employee requirement, which again, now that I'm remembering, they have waived it for new companies. So companies grandfathered into the employee requirement like mine, we have to have employees, but new people will not. Um, but that was actually one of the things I, I was looking forward to most because I've, you know, like many people probably listening to this podcast have been dragging their feet on hiring somebody. Because if you look at it the way I did, you know, every thousand dollars or two thousand dollars you pay somebody a week or a month or whatever is one thousand or two thousand dollars less in your pocket. And as a self-starter type person, you're like, hell, I can I can do my own you know graphic design or I can outsource this to Malaysia or whatever it is. Um, so being forced to hire employees was great because it kind of kicked me into gear and I've gone through a lot of growing pains this last year, uh, unrelated to Amazon, you know, more related to payroll and, uh, how to hire good people, how to find good people, how to structure contracts, how to, how to incentivize people. So, you know, that they're working when you're not standing over their shoulders, um, things like that, that make you less of a like solo or whatever they're called and, and more of an actual businessman or businesswoman. Mm. And, uh, yeah, kind of being forced to do that was, was great. And I can't, uh, I can't say enough how valuable having, you know, a, a few full-time smart people that are working for you and sitting yeah. next to you in the same office. I, I can't say enough how valuable that's been to my company. Uh, so. right. What is since it's a U.S. territory, does it have the same laws when it comes to minimum wage or is uh, it totally separate? It, you know, just like every state, it's got its own laws. So, um, you know, the, it, it's a little bit more free than a state because it can kind of waive certain federal laws like income tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but when it comes to, yeah, minimum wage, th- there's definitely a minimum wage here, but it's, it's low. Um, what is it? 
Do you know? I don't know. I don't pay my guys minimum wage. I, I've got some smart guys working for me that, that you know, provide a lot of value, but I think it's around seven or, or I think as well, because the economy's in a bad pinch, if they're like under 25, you can get away with doing even less. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like you can get the same skill set in somebody over there that you do in the U.S. at a at a much better value, or is it pretty comparable? That, that's that's tough. It, I'd say it's probably pretty comparable. Um, okay. The the cost of living over here is very much similar to that of the states. So to get you can get cheap cheap work here, uh, but. Mm-hmm. It's not going to do you much good. Uh, yeah. in order- well, the money that you save in the t- in taxes more than makes up, especially if you're at a seven figure level, more than makes up for any kind of salary savings you're looking for. Yeah, I uh, would think. Yeah, before I was at the seven figure level, like I, you know, I looked at how much I was paying in taxes every year, and then looked at how much I'd have to pay for five employees, uh, mm. and. You know, even if those five employees didn't provide one ounce of value, I was still saving money at the end of the day. So, yeah, yeah uh, for sure. Yeah. What, what would be some of the drawbacks, if any, of actually moving to Puerto Rico and, and doing this? You know, to be perfectly honest, it, coming from Oregon it is a little tough because, you know, to fly home is about 11 hours. Uh, so I don't go that often, uh, you know, and, and I've lived globally for a long time where I don't really feel the need to. Uh, but you're living away from your mom and dad, at least me and my sisters. And, uh, you know, if you don't have a good friend group here and if you're not, uh, you know, talking to the right people and and making the right friends, you, I imagine it can be a pretty lonely existence. I've been lucky. I've, I've found some of the best friends I've ever had here. Uh, but it could be lonely. I'm sure. Yeah, that no, sounds good. Well, I have just a couple more questions here. And then uh, I think this is going to be an awesome podcast for everybody. Cool. But how, how long does it take to actually get the, um, the Puerto Rican entity set up? Is that a fast process? Yeah. Yeah, it's real fast. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're cooking on it, probably just a few days. I okay. think it's similar to setting up an entity in, in any state in the, the States, you know. Okay. And you would uh, use your attorney that you you talked about to kind of set everything up? Um, yeah. Most of the paperwork here is, is done in Spanish and, and stuff. And, and also, it's so important if you get caught, you know, three years from now and you didn't, you know, cross a T or dot an I, uh, the ramifications would be horrendous of like, well, you haven't been paying taxes for three years. And you're like, I thought I was doing everything above board. And, you know, maybe you save 50 bucks or a thousand bucks in the short run, but I I would definitely pay for good uh, legal counsel and good accountants to make sure that they're doing everything properly. Okay. Speaking of which, can you mention who you use? Can people reach out to this person? Uh, yeah, uh, I use two people. Um, one is, uh, his name is David Nisman, and uh, he is now a friend of mine. Um, but he used to be the U.S. District Attorney in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So he is extremely experienced, and the U.S. Virgin Islands were the first case study of being this kind of like U.S. territory tax haven. So he's seen a ton of case law and, and just knows his stuff. He's expensive, but uh, worth every dime. And what, what's, how do you spell his last name? N-I-S-M-A-N? N-I-S-S-M-A-N. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. And um, his son, Alex, actually has this amazing app that tracks uh, automatically 
you know, where you are essentially. So um, using GPS coordinates, uh, either whether you're in Puerto Rico or somewhere in the States. So for the people that are just trying to make the bare minimum, uh, it's a really useful app that, you know, you could show to the IRS essentially at some point, you know, when they come eight years from now and they're like, hey, did you spend 130 or 183 days back in 2017, you can have this cool little app that's, you know, been logging your movements via GPS and it'd be very difficult to, to negate that. And it saves you the trouble of keeping, you know, all your receipts and your airfare and yada, yada, yada. Um, and Will they, do they drill in? Do, I mean, do they actually drill down like that? Will they say, Hey, we want to see, you know, all the flights and make sure that you were actually there for the full 183 days. From my understanding. Yeah. The IRS doesn't mess around about that kind of thing. Uh, they haven't had really any audits in the, in Puerto Rico. I believe this year they just had, you know, their first and I don't know the person personally. Uh, so it, you know, it's better safe than sorry in this kind of thing. Um, but they audited a lot of people in the USVIs uh, because everybody was going down there and, and living there, but they weren't really. And, you know, they basically came in and tried to get everybody for tax evasion and they ended up losing most of those cases that the IRS did. Uh, actually in large part due to this next guy that I'm going to recommend. His name is Lance Talkington. Uh, Lance Talkington. And he's been in the USVIs for a long time and was essentially the accountant for a lot of these people. And he was, I think, the seventh person to move to Puerto Rico for these tax benefits. Uh, so he works for a lot of people here, um, but he's also taking advantage of it himself. And he's seen a lot of this stuff. And, and he's an accountant, not a lawyer, but he does my accounting. And he's extremely reasonable as far as billing goes, like, like really reasonable and just does a killer job. He does my taxes for the year of 2016. He did my taxes in Oregon, finished that out, closed that out, uh, did my taxes here because, you know, you kind of live both places for one year. Uh, so your tax liability is split between Oregon and Puerto Rico or wherever you're from. Um, but yeah, between those two guys, I couldn't speak higher of them. And I used a few other uh, lawyers and accountants uh, kind of burning through them and just finding that I knew more about all this than they did, which scared me to pieces. So uh, these two guys are great. Okay, great. And and just to clarify, residency there can be renting, right? You don't have to own a property. Is that right? Uh, for Act 20, yeah, you don't have to own um for Act 22, one of the stipulations is you need to buy a house within two years uh, of living there. So uh, that's that's one of the stipulations. And the, one okay. of the other stipulations is you can't have – this needs to be your primary residence. So let's say you, know, you live here in this tiny little one-bedroom and your wife and kids live in a mansion back in Florida and you're barely spending 183 days here and you go back, you know, um, you, you wouldn't really want to – do that in, in good faith. You, you really, if you're going to move down here, kind of move your life down here, there's good schools for kids. There's that kind of thing. It, it, you basically have to prove to the IRS that you are innocent. Uh, in the event of an audit, you're kind of guilty until proven innocent. So, you know, definitely talk to your tax advisor, make sure that you're willing to do this and uh, then yeah, commit. And it's, it's yeah. great. I love it. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to come out there and and check it out for sure. Yeah. So if you could go back five years and talk to yourself, what advice would you give you? Oh God, that's a good question. Um, you know, to be honest, I, I don't really have any regrets or I don't think I'd do anything differently. My, my, awesome. path, my path has been what it's been for good or for bad. And I like my life now and 
with the good and with the bad and life's what it is. That's great. That's good. So guys, we've been speaking with John Haddon, a guy who has been crushing it now with his business to the point where he's made a smart choice to move to a place where he now only pays 4% taxes, maybe less with everything else that's going on. Who knows? But yeah, it sounds really cool. We're going to be tagging John in in the video uh, in the FBA High Rollers group so that if you guys have any questions, you can reach out to him. You've been listening to the AM PM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.